Welcome to Room 106. I'm Richard Garlick from Planning Magazine. And I'm John Gagan, also from Planning Magazine. This is a bonus edition, taking a deep dive into the implications of revisions to the National Planning Policy Framework for future density of development. But before we get into that, here are the key news stories from the past seven days. Housing Secretary Michael Gove has confirmed that the government will bring forward measures via the Leveling Up and Regeneration Bill to introduce, in his words, restrictions on the way in which dwelling homes can be turned into Airbnbs. In other news, the six developers who have declined to sign the government's contract committing them to fix unsafe buildings would face enforcement action if they build out planning permissions for major development under regulations promised by the government. And finally, inspectors have advised a West Midlands council to pause its draft local plan until proposed changes to the National Planning Policy Framework are finalised and the authorities' leaders have reluctantly agreed. Many thanks, John. And of course, more details of each of those stories can be found on planningresource.co.uk. OK, so now to return to Room 106 for our deep dive. John, will you be joining me? Unfortunately, I have a prior commitment, so I'll have to miss out this time. Fair enough. Well, I'll grab my reading glasses and head in. OK, good luck. Well, here I am again in the cavern in which all new planning information gathers. I'm going to head over to a corner of the cavern where I can see a familiar-looking figure, planning special correspondent Joey Gardner. Hello, Joey. Hello, Richard. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, you've been looking at the National Planning Policy Framework revisions, and um, you've been looking in particular at what the revisions would say about density and uh, the appropriate density for development. But before you go into that, can you tell us a little bit about what the existing national planning policy says about how to judge what kind of density of development is appropriate? Yeah, of course, Richard. Well, density is an, is an important issue for development because it has important ramifications for for placemaking and for sustainability and for the land take of any development. So there has been a general thrust in recent years to try and support, in, in broad terms, more higher density development than, than we had historically seen. And the National Planning Policy Framework currently supports that in its text says that it supports development that in quotes, makes efficient use of land. And then more specifically, where a shortage of land to meet housing or where there is a shortage of land to meet housing need, it is, again, in quotes, especially important to avoid low density development. It goes on to say that in in those areas, plans should optimise the use of land. And that should include by setting minimum density standards, and also by expecting a, in quotes, significant uplift in average density compared against the existing development in that area. Okay, so existing policy is in in many places quite supportive of of densification. Absolutely. Okay, so so how do the proposed NPPF revisions change that, or, or, or do they change that? Well, we've got three revisions to the MPPF, which broadly touch on the issue of density. And two of the revisions, in broad terms, support the existing policy 
drift. Uh, one of them is directed at the 20 urban uplift areas. Those are the areas that the, in which the government has said the housing targets have to be increased by 35%. And in that area, the new text that's proposed, again, calls on those areas to optimise density. Another of the bits of new text talks about encouraging mansard roof extensions in existing built-up areas. Again, this is supporting densification of existing areas. But it's the third proposal that touches on density that's, I guess, really surprised people and that certainly appears to most commentators to take things in a very different direction. And this is in paragraph 11b, which, as you'll know, is the part of the MPPF that covers the definition of the presumption in favour of sustainable development. And it says, or it proposes to say, that councils don't need to meet housing need in full if doing so would, in quotes, mean building at densities significantly out of character with the existing area. Now, the implications of this is that if you've got low density housing in your existing area, there would be absolutely no impetus on you to densify at all. And you would be allowed to continue to build at low densities, even if doing so would mean you missing your housing need targets. Okay. And and that seems to contradict the other bits of the the revisions, which, for instance, talk about optimising density on certain sites. I think the clear view of most commentators is that this is at odds with the thrust of of the rest of the M- the MPPF. It's a very different consideration to optimising the use of land or making efficient use of land, which is the um, phraseology in the rest of the MPPF, let alone the phraseology that's used elsewhere in areas of housing need, where it talks about a significant uplift in average density compared to significant development. So yes, it does seem a very different take and it could allow, uh, you know, some commentators think quite low density developments to be carried forward of the, of the sort we haven't possibly seen for some time. So they think there's a contradiction in the revisions. What else have people been saying about the proposal? Beyond that, there's also concern about the bringing in to the MPPF of the word character in the phrase. The um, the text proposed to say building at densities significantly out of character with the existing area. And even though in that text, the word character is explicitly linked to the term density, I think there are, there are a number of fears that the use of the word character is bringing in a subjective term that could then be used and and could then open the doors to kind of wider considerations around architectural and other types of development character could be used by or or certainly some in the development community and uh, for example the Royal Institution for British Architects raised this concern you know could allow local planning authorities to turn down development or considerations of character could allow local planning authorities to turn down developments that were otherwise of high quality. And I think in particular, people were concerned that in the text, there is no need for a local authority to assess whether or not raising or or changing the density would be a positive or a negative thing. They don't have to say 
that it has a detrimental impact on the area and therefore you don't have to do it. Just simply the idea of changing the density character of the area is automatically presumed in this assessment to be bad. And I, I think that a lot of people find that quite a strange proposition, really, in particular when you think about lots of regeneration schemes and other things where, where actually the, the intention of the development is actually often to change the character and, and that is perceived as a positive. And it's the only way for, for lots of estate regeneration schemes that the scheme becomes financially viable. Indeed, indeed. What do people think that opponents of schemes would have to do to demonstrate that a scheme is out of character? Well, I think the concern is that potentially, given the text and the way that the text is is phrased, the proposed text, I should say, obviously it hasn't been adopted yet, potentially not really very much. Uh, as I said, there is nothing in the wording that suggests you have to prove any or have to demonstrate any detriment to the change in character. You don't have to show that there's any harm caused by raising or changing the density, just simply that the density of the proposed development is significantly different. People appear to be looking to an appeal decision that came through last year of a scheme in Barnet on which Theresa Villiers was a high-profile opponent. Um, Theresa Villiers, of course, one of the MPs that led a lot of the campaigning against the levelling up bill, which actually got a lot of these changes to the MPPF uh, brought in in the first place. But in this particular appeal decision, obviously made under the under the existing MPPF, the inspector throughout the appeal, in part of preserving the suburban character of the area in Barnet and rejecting the call to densify that area. And one of the lines he uses that he said he did not think that only such things as conservation areas and historical assets should be considered to be special or or valued. So the fear is that actually quite large areas of the country under these kinds of considerations would be potentially protected, really. You wouldn't have to prove any, really any special status at all to be able to argue that you shouldn't be subject to redevelopment. Or subject to redevelopment that would change the... That would change the density. I suppose the only argument, of course, is going to be over the phrase significant or what a significant change in density is, you know, and, and, and where you draw the line and what point a change in density becomes a significant change in density. I think that's what the lawyers would spend their time talking about, I think. Okay, but people are pointing to this case and saying, you may not be able as a developer to say, look, you know, you can't be too fussy about the the density uh, change in this area because after all, it's not a conservation area. It's got no special designation. Therefore, surely there's no particular need to be particularly careful about the changes to the character of this area in density terms. And people are looking at this Barnett decision and saying, um, well, you know, that wasn't the approach taken by the inspector in that case. I think that's exactly right. The concern is that there is potentially a protection being applied to to areas that buy this that have no special or wider protection status or other protection status, uh, you know, and don't have any unique or otherwise recognised kind of architectural character. 
So what do people think if they think it's going to be quite easy for objectors or authorities who are dubious about identification proposal? What do people think is uh, the likely implication for applicants who want to propose a development that would densify an area? Well, I think the feeling is is they might well be discouraged from bringing forward applications in the first place that are liable to densify areas. And of course, if they did bring them forward, they would be potentially less likely to be successful. But I think the probably the more profound implication were this to come through is prior to that in the process, because this paragraph in the MPPF relates to plan making. So if this paragraph comes through, the primary impact would be to local authorities drawing up their local plans. And so I guess the first impact would be that uh, local authorities would potentially be bringing forward plans on the basis of lower housing numbers due to the fact that they would potentially be, you know, allocating lower lower housing numbers on potential development sites in areas of existing low housing density and, and not having to assume an uplift in density in those areas where under the existing MPPF, they might otherwise be having to do so. So clearly this raises questions about the viability of other government policies, such as the one you mentioned earlier for the urban uplift in the um, 20 biggest English cities, but where a 40% increase in the amount of need or assessment of need is being asked for. If you can't change the character, I guess, of a, of a relatively low-rise city centre, or if you can't change the character of a low-rise suburb, then how on earth are these places going to meet these kind of ambitious housing goals? Indeed, and that, and that is the argument that the development community is making back to the government about this. Paul Smith from Strategic Land Group said that I, I spoke to for this. He said, if you've got cities shrink-wrapped by Greenbelt and you can't go up in the suburbs, then your housing numbers are inevitably going to fall. Obviously, there are, there are other factors. There are other things you can do. It's not quite that simple, but it it is quite difficult at a basic level to argue with that with that logic. I'm sure not everyone agrees with these numbers, but the analysis by Litchfields that they've done for the Home Builders Federation and for the Land Promoters and Developers Federation, they estimate that in the 20 urban uplift authorities, the combination of the proposals in the MPPF around Greenbelt and these proposals on density working together would have an impact on housing delivery of about 20,000 homes per year on the urban uplift authorities. And in London, that combination rises to about, they say, 49,000 homes per year, albeit you know, part of that hit in London is already happening because you already have these Greenbelt restrictions for effectively operating in London. So that's a, a bit of analysis done by um, development community and their and their representatives or their advisors. Well, I've literally advised people, I'm sure, in, in the public sector as well, but in, in this instance, working for the development industry. But is that the only place where criticism of this is, is coming from? It's the principal area where criticism is, is coming from, but it's not exclusively coming from the development community here because 
some environmental campaigners and local authority groups that are actually otherwise very keen on the MPPF reform package and things like the reforms to the way the five-year land supply rules work and the housing delivery test rules work and the greater freedoms to local authorities given there, etc., that we've talked about before and the greater ability for councils probably to turn down applications. A number of those groups are still nervous about this. And the reason they are, I think, is because many of those same groups see densification of existing urban areas as the main way to actually minimise the requirement and the drive for more greenfield development in rural areas. I guess the higher you build on brownfield sites or, or in existing urban areas and the more people you manage to house there, then ideally the fewer homes you're going to have to build out into the countryside and out into the green belt. It's for this very reason that the, the, the Planning Officers Society, for example, its response to the MPPF consultation calls this particular proposal on density reckless and unhelpful from the government. I mean, it's a pretty strong word. It's one of the strongest criticisms of the government in its whole response, really, because its point is that the drive for densification of existing urban areas is one of the principal challenges we're going to face over the next 20 years. And this seems like a policy that suddenly kind of throws this drive into confusion. Yeah, it certainly um, goes against the uh, sort of fairly popular concept and which I thought was popular in in sort of government circles as well of gentle densification. I'm sure that's a, that's a phrase that we've heard from ministers in, in recent years, as well as the Building Beautiful Commission and, and people like that. But um, the idea that you might be able to fairly discreetly raise densities in suburbs by replacing you know, four-storey Victorian houses with maybe a, a block of you know, six flats or something like that. We've seen that those policies that have actually tried to do that Croydon tried to do that a few years ago with um, with a policy that won lots of awards, but was ended up being very politically unpopular. And um, a big plank of the Conservatives' campaign to win that borough back. But um, yeah, certainly this sort of approach would seem to make that kind of gentle densification a bit harder to achieve. Yeah, I I can't speak for the government, but I imagine the government would argue that not everything that developers are proposing is gentle densification along the lines of Nicholas Boyd Smith's Building Beautiful Commission and in many sense a lot of the time probably the gentle densification they're talking about is much more in line with their proposals for mansard roof extensions that they talk about that's exactly in line with with the kind of thing that they're talking about and gentle densification is you know is largely the concepts are around mid-rise schemes of between four to six or seven stories and quite often some of the most controversial schemes which get proposed in suburbs are far denser than that or can be in some instances so this is not to say that everything that developers are proposing are automatically necessarily the best possible outcomes either so clearly there are always going to be differences of opinions on this yeah absolutely and um, just remind us what a what a mansard roof is mansard roof extension is an extension 
above the top floor or an extension into the attic and loft space on the front and back of an existing terrace building. I mean, why do people think the government has taken this approach to density in the in the MPPF revisions? I think it's hard for people to see this as much other than a politically motivated action, really. I mean, clearly this consultation followed on from an agreement struck between the Secretary of State and backbenchers in the Conservative Party who threatened to derail the levelling up bill. They were tabling a number of amendments to the bill around housing targets, but also around this issue of density was one of their are. So it's it's very hard to see this as really entirely anything other than part of that process really of um, managing, I suppose, the um, sentiment within the party. I would have to mention there is a particularly cynical take on this, which I'm not going to necessarily endorse myself. But of course, Theresa Villiers was the leader of the backbench group that struck the deal with Michael Gove. She was actually the person that tabled or the the individual MP whose name was behind all of the amendments. And she was the main campaigner against this one specific development in Barnet that was very high profile. So there are some people that think this specific proposal is not necessarily unrelated to that particular um, example of development, which obviously got under her skin somewhat. It might have been the price for getting Theresa Villiers to sort of call the dogs off, essentially. Potentially, or it was certainly, at the very least, I think in this view of life, it it was something that had clearly very much upset her, the idea that development of this type could be proposed within her constituency. and, And seemingly, it was very hard to get policy support, albeit the inspector did ultimately support her her case, she found it hard to get policy support for her, her argument that the appeal should be turned down and wanted very much that that should be made much clearer in policy. The theory would be that it kind of crystallised the idea in her mind of this kind of policy test that you could have that would help in, in similar instances. Indeed. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed, Joey. That's, uh, I think, given us a great uh, deal more insight into what's proposed in the MPPF revisions. We look forward to hearing what the government's, how the government's going to respond to all the responses it's now had. And, of course, consultation has now closed. Joey, thanks again, and um, look forward to seeing you in Room 106 soon. Thanks very much, Richard. Great. That's another edition completed. We'll be back next week with a roundup of the latest planning news. And in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts. And to get a daily bulletin of planning news, plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. Look out also for the National Planning Summit in association with planning, which is taking place on the 2nd and 3rd of May at the Hallam Conference Centre in London, and also for Net Zero Connect, also um, backed by planning, which is taking place in Birmingham on the 21st to the 22nd of June. Our thanks to producers Hannah Holt from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink, and thanks for listening.